When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. But even after you're vaccinated, uh, social distancing, wearing masks are going to be essential. And we'll, we'll, we'll need to continue communicating about that through health and medical experts. you got to wonder why people go into journalism. It doesn't pay well. Nobody likes you. It's kind of a slog. It's dying. But people do it anyway. Why is that? And of course, the answer is obvious for power. I'm a very hard worker. I've always paid my taxes. I've never been arrested. I've never done drugs. But I've gotten a few speeding tickets in my day. Uh, MTG, Alice. I know. Thrown. Thrown uh, it onto the floor of the house today to defend herself for liking guys with antlers and conspiracy theories and denying horrific massacres happened and... Um, and uh, wanting Nancy Pelosi dead and um, blaming Zionists for lasers that cause... Uh, Just the Rothschilds or yes. Not all Zionists. Um, yeah. So that was her today. She sounded perfectly normal to me. She and, did sound normal today. Right. In contrast to other videos that have been floating around Is it her. possible? Mm-hmm. Is it possible, Alice, that the reason everything is so completely bleeped up Mm-hmm. Is it possible that normal people have simply been been driven crazy from this pandemic? Uh, I don't think it helps. Certainly, yeah, uh, with everybody's mental stability right now. So Marjorie Taylor Greene was chucked in front of Congress today, and she pledged. Uh, and pled and begged us to believe that she was just a normal human being. What you need to know about me is I'm a very regular American, just like the people I represent in my district and most people across the country. I never, ever considered uh, to run for Congress or even get involved in politics. As a matter of fact, I wasn't a political person until I found a candidate that I really liked, and his name is Donald J. Trump when he ran for president. 
To me, he was someone I could relate to, someone that I enjoyed his plain talk. Not, not the offensive things, but just the way he talked normally. And I thought, finally, maybe this is someone that will do something about the things that deeply bother me. Well, a lot of that happened. And that's the mm-hmm. thing that right now there is this reckoning and ringing of, of what happened as if you, all of the people who were inspired by Trump are simply at this point uh, either apostates or escaped Nazis and have been brainwashed cultists. Brainwashed cultists. But the impetus for people to believe in Donald Trump was something that is, uh, I, a lot of ways, very laudable. Mm-hmm. People missed their country and wanted their country right. back. And this encroachment of craziness, you know, instilled itself in people's need to find something that would blow the entire system up. I think I hear a kid spraying something. Spraying? Spraying. Okay. You call hey. Sally? Guys, Sally. Cyril, what are you spraying? What are you spraying? What's being sprayed in there, guys? Cyril, come here. There's no other kid. He's the only one I can find. Oh, hi, Cyril. What you got? Oh, are you brushing your teeth? Good job. Okay, it wasn't a spraying sound. It was a uh, an electric toothbrush sound. So we're oh, safe. Oh, good. Can our new technology detect him now? <laughs> yeah, he's on. he was on camera a moment ago. Oh, very nice. If you're watching this... On YouTube, most of you listen on iTunes and all those other um, uh, Spotify, etc. And uh, but if you're watching this, we've now got new technology right into our. This is at least 1950s technology mm-hmm. now, um, which allows for different camera shots at different times. Yeah, we're automatically cycling through camera shots. I still have not set up. Uh, people have requested that we play video clips when we play the audio, where it applies. When there is video, we yeah. don't. We have not set up that yet, but we are working on it. That is. Uh, That'll be the next project. To, yeah, to that's do. the next project. So the, you um, know, well, I, we oh. do need my phone for that. Unfortunately, oh, yeah. the way that we have things set up right. here, but um. And her phone was just christened in the toilet yesterday right. by that so, little child that you just <laughs> so saw. If you're watching, to. and so it's been destroyed. No, a different child did that. So, mm-hmm. uh, so different. It's new advancements coming to our the video for video watchers. Uh, so. The idea that these people, the Trump supporters should feel no shame whatsoever. No shame whatsoever. It was a small minority of human beings who were wearing antlers and walking through the through the Capitol. But there was no shame in being mm-hmm. a Trump supporter. I certainly don't have any shame in it. I don't think shame no. or pride in a vote is something you should generally have anyway. You're uh, electing the, 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 the guy at the head of the executive branch of government. Um, it, it, and I never put that much stock into him. His personality, I was amused by him a lot, mm-hmm. but I didn't want to. I was sick of personalities. I am again. Right. I don't want personalities. I don't want anybody. I don't want to fall in love with the president. Mm-hmm. I want him to be a guy that follows the law and does what he's supposed to do and mm-hmm. doesn't try to ratchet ahead progressivism using executive orders or or dividing the country so that um, you can deal with the the, the polar. Using polarity to for power is something that's unhealthy for society. And unfortunately, we've let these guys be so influential. But Trump was Trump. I mean, he coughed it up after the election. There's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. But he, by and large, and I would have loved during those four years had he thrown Twitter away and piped down and acted like an executive at a boardroom. In ways, he probably did, actually, if you if you think mm-hmm. of it, considering... And I certainly, although I didn't like his behavior post-2020 election, mm-hmm. I don't think he would have acted that way had he won. 
So that also leads me to not be that embarrassed. No, I believe the election broke him. He believed he, that he that he won and it was stolen from him, and that was just it. And it, it's more common than you think. I, Al Gore felt the same way. Of course, he wasn't in Washington to make any trouble. He had to mm-hmm. go. He went and you know ate the pain away and became a climate <laughs> zealot. And Hillary Clinton still is not over it. She is an adult person at this point, <laughs> and she and Trump, you know, <laughs> they're not letting go. But so that is life there. But um, so Marjorie Taylor Greene just said some gross stuff regardless. It's good until the Republicans can cultivate um, enough people to overwrite some of the more wacky um, Dominion voting machines people, which are a liability to the prospects of the party in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, then they're going to have to try to purge some of these folks. Uh, not purge, and I don't, I don't mean to use that word, actually. They'd retract it. They should try to minimize the exposure of some of these folks. And taking away these uh, committee assignments are a way to do that. Because these these committees, regardless of where you are, are simply um, – are simply um, what's that thing that um, Simon Cowell was on? Uh, America's Got Talent, or like a, the other one, um, American Idol. Yes, that's their American Idol auditions. Mm-hmm. That's what you see. They just wait for their turn to go at the witness, and they right. use it to grandstand for four minutes or whatever they're given, and then they use that to raise money and and go mm-hmm. reelection. Which is why you see so many congressmen asking the same exact question. Because they're not looking for the answer. They're just yeah. simply looking to get their moment on the stage. Right. They want a video of themselves mm-hmm. that they can then use in campaign ads later. Right. <laughs> exactly. Which is why it's disgusting. And they're all disgusting, as a matter mm-hmm. of fact. So um, so that is it. So let's go back to Marjorie Taylor Greene and telling us, explaining to us just how normal she is. Uh, Madam Speaker, my Democrat colleagues, Republican colleagues, my district back home in Georgia. People who I've wished to have been shot to death. Georgia 14. To the American people, to my mom and dad, and my husband and my children. I've been here for one month and a day, and I've gotten to know part of my uh, conference, my Republican colleagues, but not even all of them yet. I haven't gotten to know any of my Democrat colleagues, and I haven't had to have any conversations with any of you to tell you who I am and what I'm about. You only know me by how Media Matters, CNN, MSNBC, and the rest of the mainstream media is portraying me. What you don't know about me is that I'm a very proud wife of almost 25 years, that I'm a mother of three children, and I consider being a mother the greatest blessing of my life and the greatest thing that I'll ever achieve. I'm proudly the first person to graduate college in my family, making my parents very happy and proud. I'm also a very successful business owner. We've grown our company from one state to 11 states. I'm a very hard worker. I've always paid my taxes. I've never been arrested. I've never done drugs. But I've gotten a few speeding tickets in my day. I can endorse that last one right there. Of course, you got some <laughs> speeding tickets because you have respect for your own freedom in limited time to enjoy it. So that is her. I don't have a, a whole lot to say about her. I, I, we're not bringing our best into Congress. Historically, we haven't either. Um, and that is just just how it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, she won in this odd plurality. The situation down there was odd anyway. But... What can you say? These we're 
we're attracting showboating um, marquee stars. And they want to be talking heads. On the right, they want to be talking heads on mm-hmm. OAN and Newsmax and Fox. And on the left, they want to be talking heads on every other platform that's uh, uh, it is liberal. And they're, they generally fundraise. And it's not great. It's not great. There's a chance because Biden, the the Democratic majority is so small, there's a chance that there will be some legislating done and some actual debate done. Mm-hmm. But no, I mean, there's too many. There are too many. There are too many people of ill repute in uh, in Congress, and they're not – certainly there's a double standard by most of the media. But uh, Eric Swalwell is a loathsome human being. Mm-hmm. Ted Lieu is a whole loathsome – is it Ted Lieu? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it? Um, uh, He's like a California guy, right? Adam Schiff is a, is a shady, low-character – uh, almost treasonous guy, you know. He he lied again and again to the American people, to constituents, about uh, the Trump Russia connection. He fabricated uh, the much of that narrative, which mm-hmm. divided the country even more, made us a worse country. And he just lied and made it up. He didn't give a damn. He's right. a filthy human being. Pelosi's a psychotic. There's mm-hmm. no doubt about that. She has been for years. When she was cheering on the. You know the uh, insurgency against uh, our young troops in in Iraq years ago with the, the rest mm-hmm. of the Democratic leadership. That is uh, that was disgraceful then, and it's disgraceful. It always will be. I'll never I'll never forgive her or them for doing it. But our politics is dirty, and unfortunately, a lot of this stuff I I feel has to do with our culture being naive to history mm-hmm. and easily led by by these. Divisive constructs that are that are that are that smelt college uh, mines, you know, like they uh, like bars of gold. Well, and, and just our culture treating politics like this weird mix of having a home sports team and um, a religious good versus evil battle. It's um. It's sort of like if you made Red Sox Yankees your religion and you like bought into that fully and then like hated like literally mm-hmm. hated people who rooted for the Yankees and like wrote op-eds about how they were terrible terrible people and stuff like it's it's sort of this weird cultural phenomenon that our politics has become and it's really I think impacted politicians in a bad way including Marjorie Taylor Greene but also like you mentioned tons of people on the left treat politics the same way you know uh, both at an elected level and at a cultural level. You know, we see people in our towns, and I'm sure you all do too listening to this, who like treat politics like it's some end-all be-all of of life and who's a good person and who's not and also like an important team sport that they're into mm-hmm. as a as a hobby, you know, that they follow it. And it it's so, so toxic. It's hard to understate how toxic it is, and it's crept into everything. And it was only a matter of time before you started to elect some people who actually um, believed that and acted that way on a regular basis, you know? Right, and that's it's that almost coordinated, synchronized convergence of low character, low cultural intelligence. We have some astronauts in here. And low... And low... Um, and um, and loathsome media at the mm-hmm. same time that's created a lot of this stuff. So, for instance, in in 1997, when Bill Clinton was was um, was impeached and found 
guilty of um, perjury, I think, or was it obstruction? One of the two, or maybe two of the two, in mm-hmm. the in the court in Arkansas for the Paula Jones stuff. When he went to the American people and said again and again that I did not have sex with that woman, Monica Lewinsky, mm-hmm. that I don't know anything about her. And when he said again and again, and then he sent his cabinet out mm-hmm. there to act to to preach on his behalf as well, and say the whole thing was made up. Meanwhile, you had this woman, Paula Jones, who had been maligned and horribly beat on by the culture and by politicians as being a liar, being maligned, mm-hmm. who was simply taking advantage of a um, a a uh, sexual harassment uh, option that she had that was um, championed by Bill Clinton himself. Mm-hmm. Um, when when Clinton did that and said that there was no sex, you know, all that stuff never happened. Mm-hmm. When he lied to the American people, when he lied to the the feds, when he lied to everybody, and then they produced a dress with Clinton all over it. At that moment in history. Mm-hmm. That was the chance right there for him to do the right thing and resign, and he should have. He was busted. It didn't matter what he lied in a court for self-interest over sex. Doesn't matter that it wasn't right. over. It was about, but no, he didn't. So he made it, that forced the left in this country to rally around him and to, you know, to take his. Mm-hmm. His plight, which should have been just some pervert who gets tossed for lying in a court, they took it as a religious mission and had to readjust where acceptability and truth were and move it to accommodate his disvile actions. Right. And they did that and they moved us all, wretched us all in a direction that we, we've never recovered from. Right. And so, and there have been other things since that that, that, that have uh, that has happened, obviously, that were divisive to the country. But for that to be okay, people who in 1996 um, would say would have said that is not acceptable. He's got to step down. In 1998, had decided to adjust their moral compass and their ideological beliefs to accommodate his actions. Right. I mean, I even think back to when you had Doug on, right? Mm-hmm. And um, Tom's liberal friend Doug was telling him how that was like really a, a politically uh, important moment in his life uh, because he had like defended Clinton and believed him and said, no, he's not lying and all this stuff. And when it transpired that he actually was lying, he was like, oh, wow, like now I feel screwed, kind of. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. I'm not going to remember exactly what he said. You guys can go back and find the episode. But basically, I, you know, it makes you think about that moment in time and how all these people went out on a limb for Clinton and defended him and he betrayed their trust. And that's really what it was about is he betrayed the trust of all the people who trusted him and believed in him and said this stuff. And those people had a choice to make when it transpired that he had betrayed their trust and they decided to make the choice that it didn't matter, you know, and and that's where, um, you know, I think 
it's obviously trite to say like that's how you get Trump because everybody says that 20 times a day. But but I think that the importance of that moment can't be understated where supporters kind of said and, and I don't think it's all bad. I think it's kind of freeing for people not to idolize politicians and not to, you know, put a lot of moral stock in believing in politicians. But, um, you know, it frees people to vote for somebody like Trump. So if it bothers you that we got a Trump, then you have to look back at that moment um, when Clinton's supporters said it's okay that he lied to us and made us look like fools, um, you know, as, as an important time, because then, you know, when you say to the Trump people, you're going to look so stupid, he's such a jerk, he does X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah. And the Trump people said, we don't care. We don't believe in him either, frankly. <laughs> you know, he's fine, but, um, you know, I'm not making him my moral compass. I'm not getting married to the guy. I'm just voting for him to run the country. You know, I'm not going to go out on a limb and fight for him in court if it looks like he's lying, you know, because I trust him with my life. I just want him to be well, president. Are you saying that Trump people didn't do this? I'm saying that... I mean, that, post-election... I'm saying that if a lot of people didn't set aside their... Uh, level of personal trust in Trump, he wouldn't have been elected. There are certainly true believers with Trump as there are with any politician. Right. But I'm saying that uh, without th that, there are mo a lot more people than voted for him than the true believers. You know, there's somebody like me. I'm not. Uh, you know, I don't think that Trump can do no wrong. I don't think he's great. I definitely think he paid off mistresses and all that stuff. And like, I don't. I wouldn't. By the way, I don't really have a transactional problem with that. You have mistresses and you pay them off, and that is the relationship. It, I mean, it's, it's doesn't make you a husband of the year. I understand. Well, that's that. what I'm saying yes. is like, is that with Trump, I think there are people that think Trump is husband of the year and like believe all his stuff, you know? Sure. Like, I mean, who believe that whatever that he has the best buildings ever built by humanity and who like buy into that? You know, I think there are people that buy into that. But I think for the most part, people take Trump with a grain of salt. Some. I mean, we. I think it's been proven since the election that some people take <laughs> some him. Some people didn't take him with a grain of salt, yeah. clearly. I mean, but, if you were going down, you remember, well, but, but that's that, that's Trump's own failing. But, like Clinton's own failing, right. but Trump's own failing is right. that they believed in him and believed him. And we are not used to presidents who've been defeated at the ballot box telling us that they absolutely won in a landslide. Right. So, but I think there are quite a few people who do take Trump with a grain of salt and don't think he absolutely did win in a landslide. You know, right. people who voted for him, who, um, you know, who recognize that a lot of aspects of the election certainly were unfair. I mean, the Hunter Biden thing alone probably tipped the election away from Trump, the way Twitter and Facebook and all those places clamped down and wouldn't let the story spread. There's um, no doubt about that. I mean, I think... But there's certainly unfairness in the election, the mass mail-in balloting, all that stuff. That being said, I don't think the Dominion voting machine stuff and all those other things, like, I, I, I just don't believe that. And I don't, um, I don't believe Trump when he says it either, you know? And, right. and I think there are a lot of people who voted for Trump who feel that way. Certainly things are unfair, but they don't think that he actually won in a huge landslide. Right, right, I agree. And, but, but I do believe that that point in 98 when... The media and culture and Democrats and people to the left had to wrap themselves around something that they knew was no mm -hmm. good. The moment they found a dress, that's it. You're it's over. Yeah. And so since he never if if he had just simply done the right thing, 
we could all revert back to sea level and, and what's mm-hmm. expected, what's acceptable, etc. Yeah. But we didn't. We reverted to uh, – we were skewered, skewed mm-hmm. and distorted now in what was acceptable. And right. the math was way off. But we decided that that now was sea level when it wasn't. Of course. We so, decided it was okay to support somebody right, for president and, and we, and we, who it, is a liar and who morally you don't agree yes, with on but everything. We also, right. But we also then, you know, not only – so we also decided – and it's not just – it's it's the half of the country. The left, Democrats, academia mm-hmm. decided that no, even though what happened happened and we all saw it. What really happened was overzealous GOP, Ken Starr, evil Ken Starr, hounded this poor guy who simply made love. Haven't we all made love? Mm-hmm. Come on. And they, they decided, no, that's what it'll be. We'll step off any of these, these, uh, these prerequisites that we had in our mind for what decency and acceptability is for certain mm-hmm. uh, activities, etc. So then it's skewed. And then we immediately go into the 2000 election. Which was a nail biter, of course. Where 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 Bush won by hundreds of votes, whatever, mm-hmm. barely, and that broke what was left of these people in the skewed mm-hmm. uh, party. When they never got over it, you know, they, they were they were uh, they were uh, um, selected, not elected, bumper stickers for decades. Oh, yeah. Let's you know? not elect him in two thousand four either. Right, that was always a big one. Right, and now I know I understand that a lot mm-hmm. of people listening will say, "Well, this started before that," and I understand. If you're a Democrat, I was I despised Clinton. So in the '90s, I was all over the Whitewater investigations, the Rose mm-hmm. Law Firm stuff. Give me it all. I was like, I heard the selling the uh, West Wing to the the Lincoln bedroom to China for influence. I was excited about all of it. And my, my another Republican used to come mm-hmm. to me and say, "This is going to be it. This is the week they get him." And so to get him on this Lewinsky thing, mm-hmm. which was really just dropped into Ken Starr's lap, was. Also, like that's not what I was going for. I was going for like corruption, but I took it, you know, because I was a vile, I wasn't vile, but I was, I was a tribal fighter. I wanted to just dunk on those people, and you know, I'm here in Massachusetts. <clears throat> so, the, if you're on the left, if you're a Clinton person, you can right. say they never stopped hounding him, and they didn't. But also, Clinton was a smarmy liar, and the media told us that this was exciting and good and important, that finally the boomers would have their first president and be happy about it, and don't stop thinking about tomorrow, okay? so, so, so Right. I mean, and so I don't really have a good sense of what things were like <laughs> pre-Clinton, but certainly there was a sense with Clinton, which was really like my childhood was mostly during the Clinton presidency. There was a sense that, peop- that uh, they, people were always after him, the vast right-wing mm-hmm. conspiracy talk and all that stuff. And certainly with Bush, it felt like people were always after Bush, too, you know? I mean, people were terrible to Bush. I, I don't know yeah. how how people have forgotten, but I mean, like they were hanging him in effigy at their rallies and stuff. You know, it was not. And then, and then, certainly, the right was always after Obama then too. You know, and now they've always been after Trump. So I right. don't know if this is just like how things are now. But was there a time? I mean, like, did it feel like that under Reagan or under Bush? The first, or any, I mean, or is that like a relatively? It was new tumultuous thing? under Reagan. Now, my uh, my own memory, I was kind of bored by it. Then I liked that we were shooting down enemy planes around the world mm-hmm. for a while, and there were some cool. If you were a pro military guy, Reagan was the guy, um, and we got to use our cool planes back then to shoot down baddies. But um, but uh, I mean, people who were adults who were there at the time suggest that Trump's the election of Trump had frightened half the country, like the election of Reagan. 
I, I don't recall. I, I, I can imagine for him to fire every air traffic controller on strike in a country must have been to some people horrific. Right. Well, and people have said to me, and I don't, because I wasn't there, I don't have a really great sense of the truth of this uh, in the zeitgeist, but people say like, um, you know, that it was just like with Trump, like he's just an actor. He like doesn't know what he's mm-hmm. doing. He's an idiot. He's crazy. Yes, blah, he was blah, the punchline blah. as a dumb actor. There's yeah, no doubt about so, that. But I don't know if it was to the same degree as it was with Trump. I mean, Reagan had been the governor of a large state mm-hmm. for a for two whole terms, right? Wasn't he or just one time in California? I'm not sure, but, but for a while. But yeah, he had been the governor of California mm-hmm. and the state didn't like fall to pieces or something during that time so whereas trump had like zero experience whatsoever you know yes well reagan also could communicate and Mm -hmm. and 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 looked like a normal human right and he well (laughs) actually no he he had this slicked 1940s hair you know when a guy his age would most likely have i mean reagan looked like he was stepped out of casablanca you know um so i don't know i just find trump's whole like persona very odd yeah he's a different kind of cat totally totally um like he's strange like i don't know anybody in real life who looks like trump like with the hair but, and the whole and, thing but also another thing we didn't have back then that's is mm-hmm. we didn't have a victim mentality culture where people are are it's considered a virtue to consider right. yourself a victim we certainly didn't have intersectionality like we do now where mm-hmm. everybody's got their reasons why their life sucks and mostly it's because of me and <clears throat> and uh, there were certainly divisions in, in the Clinton times. I told you there were divisions. Mm-hmm. I was I would get in these arguments in bars instead of hanging out with ladies. I would be ye- <laughs> yelling and uh, debating them. I remember a famous trip to where were you Cancun with your friend? Oh yeah, that's when that's you watched the, the whole Clarence Thomas hearings uh, in yes. the dark. <laughs> Right. On spring break. Well, we wanted to talk to ladies. We just didn't know the first thing they said. That was a different. We watched the whole hearing. So there's another time. So that was like leading up to this time. That was vile what they did to Clarence Thomas. Mm-hmm. What Vile what they did to him. Um, and and so we've been vile. I, I, what I don't think is pe- a lot of people consider it progress. Like we watched, uh, we watched Roadhouse. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot going on in that movie that is just even to me now it's like do you are you sure you're allowed to be a bouncer and kill 26 people in the town in the first week you're working there and uh you know every guy there is trying to you know rape every woman there and right. every there's nobody like the, the the town bully blows up everybody's business he doesn't like <laughs> and it's way over the top and i think a lot of those things to young people to right now to young people would be considered like wow that's offensive like that's really like, that's dangerous and offensive uh-huh. and not cool they call each other um, uh, homosexual uh, slurs mm-hmm. Home, uh, and other things. It's like it's so raw, but for us at the time, it was just a, just a movie. It's a macho movie, mm-hmm. but and so we weren't as sensitive to things back right. then. Certainly, I, I mean, and I guess to have more realizations about the plight of women and minorities, et cetera, et cetera. And we certainly had the plight of minorities back then. Every guy in the world, regardless well, of color or think- creed, wanted Rocky Balboa to be on the movie theater no matter what. Yeah. And I mean, I think even even like in Roadhouse, which you made me watch, like 
I mean, certainly they're more, they're portraying a lot more behavior towards women that you wouldn't even like see portrayed now because it's so unacceptable, but it's not like condoned in Roadhouse. Right. They're not for attacking women in the nightclub. No, that was bad behavior. That was considered bad, but it just, it does certainly reach a level that you don't really see in movies now, but... But yeah, I mean, they weren't like for that. That was considered like mm-hmm. unchivalrous, <laughs> and the rest of it, and the minorities, and you know, like throwing bottles at the blind guy or whatever. <laughs> like, that was frowned upon in the movie. But it, you just like you wouldn't even see a movie like that now. But yeah, right. yeah. So I mean, maybe that's progress, I guess. But like you say, it's not. You know, it wasn't people weren't for that then necessarily. It, well, and we also at that time. At any point, mm-hmm. could have been blown off the earth by the Soviets. So you had there was a real threat. Us, I was a kid, mm-hmm. and we were w- praying for Soviet missiles to hit because it would be awesome. But we were <laughs> dumb kids. But you really did have. We were at risk. You know, the country mm-hmm. was at risk, and I do think it gives you kind of a harder shell. You, you know, you don't. A lot of people want to hear a little less about your, um, you know, the fact that you're not getting enough sunlight in winter and it's making you sad when we could all be irradiated in 11 seconds. And there's an arms race and we're fighting proxy Mm -hmm. wars against the other nuclear power. You know, in half the movies were about the the, the U.S. blowing up. Mm -hmm. And so I think it does. I think it does. Like if you're other than the horrific pandemic, which mm-hmm. actually, if you're an 18-year-old kid right now from a middle-class family in this country, you've got almost nothing to worry about. Yeah, The big true. foreign wars are not really growing anymore. Those, those days are over for now. Every piece of technology is available to you. Anything you could ever want entertainment-wise mm-hmm. is available to you. Every piece of information since the history of mankind is available to you right now. Mm-hmm. Almost all of these eighteen-year-olds have cell phones and smartphones, and this and that. So, to the point where half of them aren't even interested in, tra- in driver's licenses because they can live right. more, as far as they're concerned, through their smartphones, through technology, than they could just driving across the country. And so, like, I, I think probably you need to have a reason to be. And so you're going to decide I'm now a jihadist, and I go throw rocks at the Portland police. That makes me something, and I'm doing it because of these eight intersectional reasons of why I'm actually victimized as well, and I'm actually hurting. Or, if it's not me myself, if you're somebody who's not eligible for any intersectionality points, (laughs) then you're a hero doing it for these intersectional folks over here, and these over here, Mm -hmm. and you're made to feel important, and you can make pretend. And then when Trump is elected, you can walk around in Handmaid's Tale outfits and not feel ridiculous. I know. It is incredible. LARPing is a thing. Or um, (laughs) even just wearing a knit hat that is a joke about female genitals. Right. Like, it's so odd to me, like, that people actually did that in a serious way. Like, they were part of some serious resistant movement while wearing little pink uh, kitty cat hats. Right. Uh, But... In reference to that, in front of their kids. I mean, like, I don't even think our kids know that word. Like, how do you explain to your kid why you're wearing that hat? Well, I know. What uh, that has uh, to do with anti-Trump. Yeah. And how do you bring your kid to the thing with you while you're wearing the <laughs> hat and feel good about it? <laughs> That's what 
I don't understand. The, the problem like, is, so what do you tell your kid? And seriously, I want to know if anybody, if we have any listeners, I assume we don't, who uh, wore the pink hat to a protest or something and have kids. Like, what did you, what did you actually tell them the hat meant or signified? Mm-hmm. Because I'm curious because I don't understand what, what the conversation is. Well, I'm sure, unfortunately, they told the, the kids exactly what it meant, and it signified that that guy in the White House grabs people by that, and so they should be very afraid. <laughs> and parents uh. make their kids afraid. So, and the other people, in all, all this stuff is welded, soldered together by media. Mm-hmm. Certainly, the academia has a lot to do with the crazy progressive stuff, but the media were very democratic, right out of, Jake Tapper dated Monica Lewinsky. Right. The media are have long since not only gone with the skewed sense of where sea level is, you know, out here at 180 feet in to the right, mm-hmm. um, but they've only the people who want to get into media because media are superstars. They're important people. It's for the vein. You get to be on TV and walk around with a mic flag or on the radio and this and that. Oh yeah. You know, it's middle class liberal progressives gravitate towards that and they go to Columbia and that's all they need from there it is a go um and they've been they have been misstating mm-hmm. what's out it, it, that's the the malicious ones misstated half of them just don't know that they're political they don't think they are I've talked to many liberals right. who say NPR what do you mean no NPR oh yeah it's not political that's the, it's national public radio and that's they don't just see the it truth. right it's just the truth exactly you gotta wonder why people go into journalism. It doesn't pay well. Nobody likes you. It's kind of a slog. It's dying. But people do it anyway. Why is that? And of course, the answer is obvious for power. You get influence. You can tell people what to do. Those creepy kids over at CNN, ooh, losers, always trying to boot people off the internet makes them feel big. That's the whole point. Well, over at the New York Times, they've decided they need more power. In fact, they need a ministry of truth that they're in charge of. Right, and this is part of a thing that Tucker did, and the media has changed. You know, in yeah. 1960, you, you, an average reporter, let's say even for the Boston Globe, would have been somebody who a seasoned reporter would have been somebody who very likely would have been an enlistee in World War II, mm-hmm. somebody who was working class, um, saw action in World War II, saw these as the as the communities became more bountiful, saw opportunities, small opportunities to work in, for small papers, doing uh, un, um, unheroic duties like covering city council, school committees, you know, zoning board uh, mm-hmm. meetings, etc., and had worked their way up from there into a larger paper, into a larger paper, into a larger paper. It was a blue-collar medium. Right. It has not – too much of it now – is centered around the bountiful New York and Washington, D.C. And this is for elites. Mm-hmm. Columbia is for elites. These are for people who are ideologues, certainly, because they're teaching it and they're, you know, they're they're embedding it into your brain when you go to these schools. Um, and so they consider themselves, themselves very important. Mm-hmm. And he's right. They, they do. And you can tell. You know, I just I just some of these some of these, some people aren't jerks. Like for instance, People I've met on my own, I, I uh, Anderson Cooper was not a jerk. In fact, I was a jerk to him, but I didn't mean to be. I was just trying to cajole him into doing a skit with me, and I just didn't let it go. And I think eventually he felt afraid for his life. <laughs> but um, but but some of them are jerks, and mm-hmm. you can you can tell. But the most of them, especially the TV folks, there's an air. There's an air oh, of yeah. importance to be somebody like me. Going by yesterday's 
uh, episode. Well, right. And you get invited to important stuff in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows who you are. I mean, like, that's a big deal to a lot of people. And it's very romantic. You're doing the narration to the American public about big events. Mm-hmm. And you're either out there in a hurricane or in the flooded streets of somewhere mm-hmm. or in a war zone. Brave firefighters, right. you know? Or you're, or you're the person at the anchor desk, the America's mm-hmm. most trusted person, explaining to Americans what they're seeing. And most of them believe every, every word of it. So that is um, – they are culpable as well for shaping this, you know, for, for, for instilling an artificial sea level. Mm-hmm. Um, which has been harmed because we've been off our access here for way too, way too long. Mm-hmm. And uh, I but hope. Do you think that there's an argument to be made that you know we can't now go back to the way things were? That we could find a new and different equilibrium point where things will like, you know, stop there and stay and rest at whatever equilibrium point we find, but that it's not going to be the old equilibrium point. That this is not a reversible process. I don't know because you can't – a society can't survive unless you have certain fundamentals. Right, but maybe we'll end up with different fundamentals than the ones that we had before, I guess is what I'm saying. I mean like I think that society goes through periods where things like shift and change. You know, we didn't always have a media that was like this prestige truth-telling media, right? I understand you that. Know? But so but, – But institutions generally, Alice, mm-hmm. generally – were built on some, if not a belief system, at least a belief in science, the truth, a truth, something mm-hmm. that could be that was calculable. So, for instance, this in this year, if we're talking about the executive order mm-hmm. that allows boys to play in girls' sports, right? So now, if you want boys, trans women, I guess they're called. Mm-hmm. To play in girls sports and girls sports teams, I consider that uh, cruel to girls and unfair because mm-hmm. their little bodies can't compete with boys in most things. So that's fine, but if you want them to, because you say that trans people believe they are um, are women, mm-hmm. and they're in a lot of pain and emotionally, this puts their minds at ease. And this is something that for the mental health of those biological men, if we pretend that they're women and allow them to do this, that's going to help them. And if you're telling me that that's going to help them and be beneficial and possibly save lives and I really, really want it to be to work out for them, that is an emotional argument Mm -hmm. that I could understand and as a human being empathize with. Mm -hmm. If you're telling me now that there's no difference because that that solicitation, mm-hmm. emotional solicitation didn't work. If you're telling me now that there's no difference, in fact, uh, you know, you know, Chad Smith, who's a 36-year-old guy who's 6'4", is just as female as Alice Shattuck. Mm-hmm. And now you're backing up with science. So the institutions in academia are saying it so. Right. I mean, the ACLU. The, well, hold on, Alice. Okay. If you're doing that, then you're distorting truth to a point where I don't think you can get past that. We can't. Our society will not be able to lie 
if everything is pliable, that if nothing is true anymore and everything is pliable and you can mm-hmm. just distort it and bend it to suit your ideological view. Right. I mean, so, and I think that you're right, that that the point that we're at, this is not a sustainable point where um, one part of the country has one set of truth and another part of the country has another set of truth. And we've talked about it before. Like, um, Rob, What's the New York Times guy's name? Ross Duthat? Duthat, yeah. Duthat. Uh, and his article about, like, the Covington scissor and how, like, we are existing in a world right now where, like, every event that happens, two groups of people look at the TV screen and see two totally different events take place. And I think the trans thing is a good example of that because one group is seeing um, one group of women needlessly singled out and uh, their human rights being denied and another group sees absolutely the entire point and purpose of women's sports being systematically dismantled in front of their eyes and we're like watching two totally different realities taking place in front of us and and i i agree with you i don't think that's sustainable that is clearly not an equilibrium point but i don't know if the equilibrium point that we're going to reach is going to be the one that we had in the 1950s where there was like a generally agreed upon trust in institutions and what the main narrative was. Like, I think it could end up being that the next equilibrium point that we end up at is going to be one where, you know, we, we do split through some means violent or not into separate nations or something, because, because it's, it's very hard to see how we can sustain along this path. And I don't see either group at this point reversing into anything, you know, it's, it's hard yes, to but, see but, where but, we but, end but, up. But okay. I, so, so you, let's, let's mm-hmm. tear away the conservatives or people on, on more to the right. Right. Take them out of this picture. How can just the left exist with itself? If it's always splintering and changing and always, we speak about intersectionality, LGBTQ, and then there are some others, too, that I'm not familiar with. We keep divvying up people mm-hmm. into different things, divvying, divvying up the worth and value of people and the um, uh, on which people should be prioritized, etc. Mm-hmm. And if a lot of those people on that side aren't producing anything because they are allowed to not produce, and as a matter of fact, it's they're championed, many of them, mm-hmm. to not produce uh, anything of worth, but simply denigrate and tear down things because they resent, you know, anything that came before 2021. I mean, they're good at tearing down the statues of the people that did things. I don't see many of them good at doing things that would get them to inspire a statue. I mean, uh, Sure, I think there's some truth to that, but also certainly, I mean, like, that's clearly not 100% true because all the quote-unquote elites, a lot of them are lefties, you know? I mean, certainly you can say that the entire entertainment industry is made entirely by left-wing people. Um, Certainly plenty of people, like, in the legal profession, certainly plenty of people in media, certainly, you know, there there are definitely industries that are dominated by left-wing people, so I don't think you can 100% say that, I mean, tech certainly is dominated by left-wing people. That's that's a problem that conservatives are having right now, you know, is that no conservative is building a viable tech platform at the moment. Uh, I And so I think that, um, that, you know, I agree with you, and I don't see, I don't know what the end point of this is, but clearly the path right now is not sustainable, and I don't think the path right now is reversible. I don't think that there's a way to return to the way things were before. I think that... We will reach a point where things stabilize again, but I don't think that it's going to be 
I don't think it's going to be the way the 1950s were. You know, or the 1950s. Well, I'm not looking for the 1950s. So they had, you know, had its drawbacks but, as well. But, but I just I want to add something on the on the you know, trans girls in sports front because I think it's it's important to note that that what you were saying that you could understand the point of view like we just have to go along with this to be kind to trans people etc cetera, etc cetera, and this is just it'll save lives with suicide but that's not actually what we're being asked to believe and I think that that's a really important point that we really are existing in a world where we're viewing two entirely different visions of reality the ACLU tweeted yesterday um that it is a fact that trans girls are girls and it is a myth that sex is binary, apparent at birth, and identifiable through biological characteristics. Biological sex and gender are not binaries. There are no set hormone ranges, body parts, or chromosomes that all people of a particular sex or gender have. No, there are none. Then it can't be determined. So there you go. It's not binary. It's in um so That of course then, is insanity. It's Yes. That's um that's absolutely um that's absolutely being asked to believe that there are no physical characteristics chromosome levels hormone levels anything chromosome um or hormone levels or anything else that can possibly determine and sort sex into two genders into two different sets of people based on any criteria whatsoever that is a that is that's a religious belief, frankly. That's not yes, well, that's it, not a a supportable that is, view scientifically. That is flat Earth, right? That is just as legitimate as believing in a flat Earth. And if the thing is, if you're the kind of person who's going to accept what they said as fact, mm-hmm. then does that and a lot of people does do, that by pipeline the way. of what you're willing to accept accept. Does that ever close after one of these issues? Mm-hmm. Or can they I, I, literally tell you anything and you have to go along with it then because yes. you've went along with everything else so far? Right. A person who's willing to say that can say anything at all. Right. The guy with the antlers in the Capitol was not that crazy. <laughs> I mean, but not yeah, only I, that, but they know, of course, that. Yeah, I mean, nothing Marjorie Taylor Greene believes is that crazy, frankly. Right. And, and they know. That you, well, well, well actually, compared to that. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's laser beams when the one of child is... Okay, so they are, it's it's equally crazy. Put it that way. Yeah, it all belongs in the crazy category. Right. So, and, and they know that as well, because if if they didn't, or if some of them know that as well, the real activists know that mm-hmm. as well, because, because if you're somebody, in, depending on what occupation you have, who dares question it, then your life must be destroyed. Of course. Which is not something that people would do if they had faith that their facts and, and, or policy right. position, whatever, was something that could be digested um, fairly by mm-hmm. society. Yeah, there's not. So it's you better effing believe this or you get it right now. That's right. it. It's not a belief that's. Um... That you know, it, clearly they don't. They don't think that they can convince people of this by ordinary means, because it's it hasn't worked so right. far, and they're they're concerned about it. Which is why you know they got Callahan and Minahan taken off the air, right? Right. You know because because they dared to question this idea about the sports. This is why people tried to cancel Joe Rogan. 
you know, because he had a problem with Fallon Fox hiding the fact that she was a transgender woman while beating up biological women and giving tons of them concussions while she had bone density and and hormone levels and all this stuff that just were not comparable to her opponents. And yeah, you can tell me that regular and that people who are born women have a, a range of testosterone levels that they naturally have that they fall into and they're not all equal, you know, but, but yeah, it, it's an biological sex is no, is an undeniable fact. And I think that the left is not going to like where this path takes them of, um, you know, of having this be a centerpiece of their worldview that must be believed because I don't think you're going to be able to get everybody on board with this. Unless, unless you're really going to do FEMA well, camps or whatever. Or unless you flood every compartment mm-hmm. with this ideology. And that's what's happening. Today, up on Capitol Hill, Marty Walsh, Mayor Marty Walsh of Boston, was um, sitting for his uh, confirmation hearing for Department of Labor. Secretary of Labor, which is perfect for him, of course, having a union boss background. Um, and he, like everybody else that we've played in the cabinet you won't be surprised to, to hear what his theme is. Our country, and I'll speak for Boston, our country, but Boston, uh, we're dealing with a system of systemic racism uh, that we have to continue to address. It's not simply just being throwing fancy words out there, but in policy. But isn't he the boss of the system in Boston? Yeah. And aren't all the city councilors all, they all hold the same ideology? Right. And everybody in government in the state, including the Republican mm-hmm. governor, is essentially a big... But that's why it's... Not just that it's systemic. Well, I understand, but the systems are controlled by good progressives. Other than the uh, the gun stores and gun ranges, I can think of nothing else. Yeah, but but not everybody has totally subscribed in their heart to the philosophy, which means that the structural racism fairies are floating around, and the structural transphobia fairies and all the rest of them are floating but it's around. actually doing the work rolling up our sleeves and uh, in our city we have worked with different organizations and we have a women's task force groups we have all kinds of different organizations working with the NAACP uh, working with the urban league working with employers uh, I'm sure young Republicans was next uh, he's asked about the minimum wage this guy Senator Marshall from Kentucky I believe asks about minimum wage Marshall makes a that's a very good question that should be could be answered I want to talk about minimum wage for just a just a second um, you're Boston Massachusetts what what's the last cup of coffee you paid for what did it cost last cup of coffee I paid for in Boston was probably at Doughboy Donuts and I think it was a dollar seventy five well that's that's a good deal that's a good bargain you believe in in Kansas where I live uh, some of the gas stations will give you a cup of coffee if you fill your truck up with gas and, you know, certainly commonly getting it less, for, less than a dollar. As I look at uh, cost of living, median house in Boston, $600,000. The median house in my hometown of Great Bend is $83,000. The cost of living index in Boston is literally 2.2, a multiple of 2.2 from where I live. You have a minimum wage right now of... At twelve dollars. Yeah, it's twelve seventy-eight. Twelve twelve dollars. The minimum wage in Great Bend is seven point two five. So a seven dollar an hour job in Great Bend would be like a sixteen dollar an hour job in Boston, Massachusetts. I, I guess 
you know, I'm trying to get at is how can we have a nationwide minimum wage of $15, which, which frankly would kill a lot of jobs in, in Kansas. So how, I mean, I'm all for if you want $15 an hour in Boston, knock your socks off. But uh, in Kansas, that would be a, a pretty big wage, a job-killing wage. Well, thank you, Senator. I think the, the issue around minimum wage is actually going to be debated on the Senate floor and the United States Congress floor. Uh, President Biden has, has stressed that he is supportive of a $15 an hour minimum wage, uh, a nation wage, national, national wage. Uh, I support him in that, $15 an hour minimum wage, and I think that there's going to be many conversations from now till uh, something passes the Senate and the House uh, around conversations about how that, if, if in fact it passes, how does that $15 an hour minimum wage get imp- instituted? This tap dance offstage by Marty Walsh <laughs> really means what about the question? Um, he doesn't have an answer. Right. Because it's not about, because you can't argue with what Marshall's saying. He's right. He's right. But the minimum wage, much like the letting the guys play on the girls' team, the minimum wage is about doing something that's symbolically generous and good and noble symbolically mm-hmm. where you got seven now you'll get 15 15 yeah. is better than seven i mean in a weird sort of way it might kind of s- stimulate some of those areas of the country because they're so low cost of living so if you can make the same wage living in kansas that you could in boston why wouldn't you move to kansas live like a king right especially with remote now right you, you know you could do the same job well yeah i mean it it, 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 it so if we're going to standardize national wages it Probably. I mean, but it would be disastrous. Oh, yeah. For no, it would kill businesses in those places. Absolutely. Right. Walmart will do just fine. Mm-hmm. And in you know, you're creating essentially a full time shutdown by jacking up the oh, minimum yeah. wage. No. The, the small, the family owned businesses and the smaller businesses would just fold. Right. Overnight. Like <laughs> Doughboy Donuts, for instance, <laughs> actually will not take it well. So uh, another parallel to that on defunding the police. My father was a police officer for almost 30 years, and it's uh, certainly an issue close to my heart. And it's my understanding that you reallocated $12 million from the Boston Police Department's overtime budget to you know, basically defund the police. I'm very happy that President Biden during his campaign stated he was opposed to efforts to defund the police. And, of course, I'm very sensitive and, and uh, proud of my police officers, including those in many of the unions across the country. As a supporter of unions, how do you reconcile your actions to defund the department with your responsibility to protect officers and keep them safe? Yeah, thank you. I love my Boston Police Department, uh, and if you had a chance to talk to any of the members of my police department, they will tell you uh, the support that I've shown them. Uh, all. I'm not sure William Gross feels that way. The mm. police commissioner who just stepped down uh, last week suddenly, a guy who was stepped on again and again by right. the, the actions of this last year with this great unraveling, where Marty Walsh did everything he can could to denigrate cops at every corner, mm-hmm. and so did every elected leader. As long as my time as mayor and prior to that being mayor, uh, that was not a defund movement. What we did there was we moved shifted $12 million uh, from the police budget. Uh, into into um, programs such as mental health counseling, uh, trauma counseling, uh, to deal with the issues that we're dealing with in the city of Boston. Yeah, we didn't defund the police. We simply funded some other stuff that wasn't the police <laughs> with the money allocated for the police. Get it. 
Got it. <sighs> Makes yeah, sense and to me. it's interesting, especially in the case of Marty Walsh, because he was really, really elected uh, very much on the backs of unions, including very much the police union. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, we knew cops at the time when he was elected who were so, so happy that he was elected because he was, you know. He was one of theirs. He's one yeah. of the boys. Yeah, he, but he's not intersectional, intersectionally. Um, yeah. uh, he is now a. Um, an endangered species, so he is running <laughs> to the federal bureaucracy where right. another endangered species was just elected. So, um, so Alice, that is what I have for today. Um, did you have something from Jen Saki that you played in the beginning that we didn't get to? I did. I didn't. Um, I th- is it the Beijing Olympics? Maybe. I don't. I don't. I don't, so. I don't know. It doesn't oh no, matter, no she but... wants us to keep masks. On. It's not just a vaccine; is obviously mm-hmm. a, an incredible medical breakthrough, um, and we want every American to have one. But even after you're va- vaccinated, uh, social distancing, wearing masks are going to be essential, and we'll, we'll we'll need to continue communicating about that through health and medical experts. Yeah. So mm. no reason to go get the vaccine. Everything will stay the same. That's fine. I don't know. I don't know why on what planet these people live where they've decided that's the message. Two masks. Two masks. <laughs> two masks. Get it. the vaccine. Now you need one mask, but then we'll all get the vaccine and then we'll need two. So the CDC perfect. is sending <laughs> saying the teachers do not need to take the vaccine and schools need to open up. And so the administration is saying teachers stay closed as long as you want while we put new ventilation systems in for some freaking reason. <sighs> So, yes, no. So um, we are distorted, Alice. We continue to be now led and uh, moved somewhere um, with our compass broken and not at sea level. And that is a, a yes. an issue. Yes, that is true. Um, so on one different note, um, we had a relationship oh, discussion this week. Yes. Um, and I love following these. This is on Reddit. There is a, a group called Am I the A-Hole? And it's all people ask questions, you know, they put their disputes on the forum to have people weigh in on whether or not they're at fault in the dispute. So um, this gentleman posted this uh, dispute. And uh, let's see uh, how people feel about it. Um, So he said, am I the a-hole for sending carnations to my work wife? So if if you're not up on the hip lingo, work wife or work husband means somebody that you're Uh, close friends with at work that you get along with well at work. Um, So this person says, we all have best friends at work and mine happens to be a woman. No big deal, right? Well, to my girlfriend, it is. The woman in question and I are pretty close as a result of working next to each other for the past year. We joke that we're work spouses, but nothing goes beyond that except for the occasional good morning text. So just to recap, so far, this is, girl is his best friend at work. His girlfriend doesn't like it. They work next to each other. They joke that they're spouses, and they text each other good morning. Long story short, she and I were talking about Valentine's Day, and she mentioned how in high school she never got sent a carnation. This surprised me because she's dead-ass a 10. I told her how I only ever got white ones sent, symbolizing friendship, which was effing embarrassing, and we bonded over the disappointments and joked that being work spouses, maybe we could get each other flowers this year. I decided to take her up on this in an appropriate manner by sending her a bouquet of white carnations in the mail to express my appreciation of her and her friendship. Nothing more. But the thing is, I forgot to change the delivery date to a week later on a day when my girlfriend wasn't home and they got delivered today. Picking a day my girlfriend wasn't home was not an admission of guilt. I just knew she would overreact because she's emotional and almost unbearably insecure Mm -hmm. at times. 
So yeah, so they came to my house and my girlfriend answered the door and was so happy until she read the tag and saw that it wasn't her name. I told her why I'd gotten them from my work friend and she started crying. I explained the story behind it and how white was platonic. I also told my girlfriend that I had super romantic plans for Valentine's Day for her and red roses, but I can't get through to her. She said it's emotional cheating, which I disagree with. And all these other buzzwords chicks throw out on Twitter and I can't help but think that she's blowing it way out of proportion. Me and my work friend have never done anything and I'm a dedicated boy from, but apparently one kind and thoughtful gesture to another woman makes me a monster. I'm pretty sure my relationship is over unless I apologize and admit I was wrong. But I also feel that this is a matter of principle and that I'm the victim here. Is she just being irrational or am I being short-sighted? All right. No, so there's a lot to talk about here. <laughs> um, one, just on the X's and O's, how, why he'd ever get this flower sent to his apartment or his house is, is record-breakingly stupid unless it was meant to test the wife. Or it was, uh, I would think so. Why would you ever do it? Well, you do that if you wanted to deliver them to the work wife in person. Right. So Which is, of I'm course, what he wants to do because home. he's desperately trying to start an affair with this uh, dead, gorgeous woman he works with. That who, he's really close to, who he texts good morning to in the morning when he wakes up. Yes, because he likes her. He is looking to trade up. And he is testing the water and pinging the uh, work wife again and again. Um, and girlfriend knows this because yes. she's not a moron. <laughs> and I do like, he uses the standard, like, honey, you're being way oversensitive to this stuff. It's a work wife. They're white carnations, you know. They're white He's simply trying to hide from his wife the full... Um, Manhattan Project <laughs> he's got going here, right? You know, to try I mean, to get first the, of all, is the that even a heart. thing that white flowers are platonic? Oh, well, red means love, I guess. So, I, I yes, I think it, it regardless, it's a good first I mean, incremental if, <laughs> step if you're trying to gauge her interest. If somebody got me a fancy white bouquet, I mm-hmm. would not think that they were not trying to hook up. Well, of course, no guy is getting a woman flowers unless he's dropping it on her grave for, for any reason other than to hook up, unless he's related to her or whatever. There's no other reason to do it. That is it. Unless, she's, yeah. There's well, no- yeah, his mom and a romantic interest. That's it. Yes. And to give it, it's he's just testing the water, obviously, with the, with the other woman. And he knows this. I mean, this is, I will, I will say that... I assume the guy's like in his 20s, and I do appreciate the uh, audacity for him to move this venture that way and to set up the, I cannot believe that you would think that I'm actually, it's a work wife. Don't you understand? I like especially that he says he's the victim here. (laughs) In which sense is he the victim? Well, he wants a clean uh, transition. So he wants the from, world to know that he's not at fault. No, no, no. He wants a clean transition, a seamless crossfade from <laughs> current girlfriend to work wife, new girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And so he doesn't want any time in between. Now, this having a girlfriend currently is good for the energy between him and the work wife. Because it's forbidden. Yes, exactly. And he doesn't want any time. He loses all that stock goes away, like my... AMC stock, which is now down a third of its value, if the that girl is gone. Also, if that girl is gone and Intel gets around the office, he could be seen as a dirtbag because he's, right. you know, at the same time, he's giving flowers away to women who aren't his wife, who he's telling the other guys, by the way, is is dead ass hot or whatever he says. And that is yeah. in, and that is also foolish for, I mean, age. you even- know, there are sharks around, my good man. These guys are going to use that as a dagger. 
Yeah, I mean, isn't it? Um, I just don't even understand, like, if he's, like, fooling himself, that he really believes this about himself, that this is purely a platonic friendship with this girl that he also happens to find really hot. Like, does he not? I can't believe he doesn't see it. Well, he he does see it, and that's why he's using this board, the Reddit board, to show her. She's meant to find it. Mm-hmm. And say, wow, he really does really believe this. Maybe his heart isn't bad. Mm-hmm. Which well, is... fortunately, all the people on the Reddit board um, agree that he definitely is the a-hole in this situation. Well, I mean, and... you're not exactly... If it goes to motive, you don't say she's a total smoke show. I mean, that, you know, bottle up the lust <laughs> for a moment. Say that you don't find her attractive. Say something. I just can't believe nobody sent you flowers in high school. You're so gorgeous, he said. And what was the occasion for the flowers? Valentine's Day. Oh, okay. So because he- I assume there... So my high school had, like, singing Valentines that you could send people. Mm-hmm. I assume his high school or their high schools of where they are had something where you could, like, send carnations on Valentine's Day. Like, Wait, is he in high school? No, but that's what the conversation... So. She had told him that in high school she never got oh, a carnation on Valentine's Day. And he was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that. How could you never have gotten a carnation on Valentine's Day? You are so gorgeous. But if the fact that he, I mean, to, to have flowers for the hot girl at work and not have them for the girlfriend at home. Well, he says he's getting them. Well, yeah, right. But to, for them to not be gotten <laughs> by the time the other ones arrive. It tells you that he's he's not a good thinker, and also the the idea that he got them sent to his own house. Well, I assume that their is, office probably isn't open right now. Right? It doesn't matter. You, that that tells me he's the kind of guy who gets like um, hit by the train. <laughs> One of those guys who he leaves a flank uncared for and unattended to. <sighs> if you're that kind of guy who does that, that's just. Um, <laughs> That's no good. That's the kind of well, guy who trips into asking. a tree Maybe shredder. Maybe he really believes that. Maybe he really believes that he's not in the wrong. No, he knows he's in the wrong. There's no <laughs> men don't do flower transactions with women or really work wife stuff with women unless they're looking to be romantic with that woman. True. That's another good point. Is like I could see single people making jokes about like work wife, mm-hmm. work husband, but you drop those jokes if you have an actual significant other. I think I I would think so unless yeah yeah no you, you didn't it's just it's just there's nothing there's nothing to it I He's, mean flip it and reverse it if I started talking to you about a work husband that I had <laughs> would you not be disturbed <laughs> would you not would that just in itself not be weird you do wear a lot of cocktail dresses to a job <laughs> in a warehouse Alice. so it has been a mm. uh, question for me for quite some time um, good scenario. That was good. Uh, so anyway, uh, that was on Reddit. Uh, but you can find us on Twitter. Uh, we're Burn Barrel Pod on Twitter. We are Facebook.com slash Burn Barrel Podcast. You can check out our YouTube channel where you can see the uh, newly switching video version of the podcast. Uh, Tom Shaddock's Burn Barrel on YouTube. You can like the videos, comment, and subscribe. Say la vie. Hey, 
it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.